Welcome to the Humans of Hospitality podcast. I know so many of you listening to this show love your local bar, your local restaurant, maybe your local hotel, and have so many fond memories of time in hospitality businesses. This is the podcast where we get to chat to the human beings behind the scenes of that industry. Maybe the chefs or the bakers or the coffee roasters or the gin distillers or the craft brewers or the entrepreneurs, but all doing an amazing job of making sure that hospitality stays interesting and the big, dull, formulaic brands do not take over our high street. Please enjoy the show. In today's conversation, we are going to be chatting to Steve from 8Arch. 8Arch uh, is a great craft brewer based in Wimborne in Dorset, and Steve makes some beautiful, beautiful beers. Uh, but we're not going to go too heavy into the uh, beer making process itself today, just in case that's not your thing. But we will be talking about some of the big brands in the industry, uh, some of the smaller brands, and fundamentally about Steve's journey and how he went from making some terrible homebrew beers in his garage that not even his friends would consider drinking into making some beautiful award-winning beers that are now available all over the county and quite a bit of the country. I very much hope you enjoy our time together. Please enjoy the show. Steve, just want to say thanks very much for allowing me to come and invade your space My and pleasure. also for, for making the office look so bloody beautiful and, well, uh, and warm. It's not, it's not looking its best. Cozy. It's, about, <laughs> it's, it's about minus six. Now, you've told me this is this is warm, um, but thank you. So, obviously, this is an audio thing, so other people can't see the salubrious uh, surroundings we're in. Can you just explain where we are and what you do? At, at the centre hub of yeah. everything that is ATARCH. Now, this is just, we're just in uh, my little office. Um, just at the end of the brewery. Um, we're busy away brewing again today, uh, brewing um, our coffee oat stout. Um, so, yeah, so we're just in the little office. I'm just going to have a nice little chat. Perfect. So, so 8 Arch, fundamentally a brewery named after a bridge. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Um, Always been a fan of bridges? Is that a, no, a long it's, 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 it's not a, a thing that I've been a big fan of, I have to admit. Um, <laughs> it's just a case of when we I was starting the brewery, um, I... I was struggling with a name. Right. And I I wanted to start the brewery in Wimborne. I'm from Wimborne. Okay. Um so I wanted it to very much have a link to the town. Right. Um it, we were going to call it the Wimborne Beer Company, but then I thought there was, was a bit too much link to the town okay. there. So we tried thinking a bit, a bit outside, yeah. Yeah. A bit outside the box. Um and then someone mentioned to me about Julian's Bridge. Right. Um which has got eight arches and then just it just something just clicked. Yeah. Um you know, we spoke about lots of um, different places in Wimbledon, different bits and pieces, and it, for some reason that the, the eight arch just stuck. Okay, and it, it, there was a point with it, and then yeah, we went from there. Have, with you, it. have you checked? Have you counted them? Yes. The bridge itself has got eight arches. It's factually it's, correct. Yes, it's, it's yeah, like yeah. history as well. Someone did try and throw a spanner in the works about twelve months into yeah. uh, me brewing. Um, when they said, oh, it's got more arches, isn't it? It's got like 10. I was like, no, no, no. And so I did go and check it. It has definitely got okay. eight arches. I think it's got, the brand's got enough legs now because let's say, I mean, you know, global warming's a concern, isn't it? Flooding. If they mm. had to put an extra couple of arches on and it became 10 I arches. I, I don't think I'd change the name of the brewery. I think, I think okay. we keep it. I think <laughs> we wouldn't have a brand change because of that, no. Okay, cool. I think it works. So um, you've been running, what, about four years now? Is that right? Yeah. End of January in 2019, it'll be four years physically brewing okay um, has it been as you imagine go back four years ago when you when you started has it been as you expected are you, are you uh, sat where you thought you would be no know? no no um i mean I, I i started it with the intention of just brew, me doing it on my own for the local area making beer and earn a living okay um th- there was no grand plans to take over the world not that we are but um <laughs> you know the, the, i didn't plan to move premises, increase capacity, employ people, and it's just been a natural, an organic growth. Right. Um, so no, I, I didn't. I didn't expect it to. H- had you no run businesses before? Did you know what you were doing? I, I, I well, I started um, when I left school. I was a HGV mechanic in okay. trucks. Um, you know, fully qualified and all of that. And then I left to join the, my family's transport company right. in Pool. And the whole idea was that I'd 
take over the running of the company. Um, so I had a very good business, basic business learn learning from my dad. Right. Okay. Um, he was a very basic business accounting person. Yeah. But it would it's a good base for me to start. You got exposed to numbers and employees and yep. not not just spanners and engines. Yeah. Yep. No. And it, it it was a great grounding for me. Um, okay. Then it allowed me to hit the ground running on the business side of things with this as well. So, you know, I mean, I'd imagine there's a lot of breweries out there. They just go into to make beer and then don't really look at the business side of things, which to have any successful business, you need to have a good business grounding, yeah, I feel, or absolutely. someone there to help you. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So why the, why the change then? You were supposed to take over the family transport business. What happened? Uh, we, we, our biggest customer uh, were, were bought out. Right. Um, and they moved their distribution, which was in Blanford. We were loading out of Blanford, and at the end, they they moved it all to the Midlands. Um, so that was ninety five percent of our work. And okay. from when my dad started the company in ninety three, the, the the landscape of road haulage had changed so much to twenty thirteen. Right. Um, you know, we had pallet networks everywhere, cutting the cost of price. You know, the prices for the pallets to be delivered and everything. And it was just such hard work to just try and get okay. work. So you weren't disappointed then, having having kind of moved jobs and said, yeah, yeah I'll come and take over the family firm. Uh, yeah. And then it wasn't there anymore. I was, that- I was slightly disappointed. My dad was a bit <laughs> upset with it because obviously he built the company from nothing yeah. for 20 years. Okay. Um, so it was a sad day. But I said to him recently, were you sad about it. he goes, do you know, I was sad for like six months. He said, yep. but I'm over it now, and I'm, we made the right decision Great. with it, which yeah. enabled me to obviously come and do and this. Sometimes you need a catalyst, don't you, to to kind of go on to the next thing. So you know, clearly, I could, I could still be sat in a freezing cold porter cabin. In yeah. Baldwin, instead, we're sat in a freezing cold office. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I could be sat in a freezing cold porter cabin in pool, um, yeah. messing with trucks and yeah. drivers. But instead of that, I'm sat in an office with messing the brewery. With beer. Do you with, prefer it? Oh. I wouldn't change it. Really? Would not change it for the world. Love okay. it. Absolutely love it. The, the industry is great. Um, you know, and I was saying to you earlier that I was at an event yesterday, the Brewers Congress, and it's just great to be in and around such great people yeah. um, in the industry. So no, I would not change it for the... It seems to have changed, I don't know, over, particularly over the last few years. I, suppose. I mean, you go back in time in the UK, particularly and probably globally, there were just, you know, thousands of small producers and small mm. brewers. Uh, and it seems to be in the last few years that we're getting that resurgence. And there are so many kind of like, you know, interesting, cool breweries cropping up. Have, yeah. you, have you noticed that change? Are you, do you feel like you're in, 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 a, in a kind of, you know, a thriving, fairly, it's not a young industry, it's clearly an old industry, but does it feel like it's young again and got this kind of youthful, kind of slightly rebellious thing going on, taking on the big guys? Or? Yeah, it, it, it's great. I mean, like I said, I, there was never any attention for me when I started it that I wanted to go, right, I'm going to take on the, yeah. the big boys or whatever. It's just, I was just going to make beer. Yeah. Um, but it was quite an interesting uh, yesterday at the talks that I was at, there was the founder of Brooklyn Brewery in New York, okay. yeah, uh, yeah, Garrett Oliver. And there was, I can't remember how he exactly said it, but it just resonated a little bit with me when he said that it's something along the lines of, um, you know, this is not new. No. What, what, what we are all doing, it's not new. It's just a return to normality. Yeah, true. Because there was, yeah. I didn't realize the history of the American, I know we're going off a bit off track here, but yeah, no, um, I didn't realize the, the history. There is no tracks. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't I, d- I didn't realize there was the history of the American brewers and how they got closed down. And then they were just all basically force fed this cheap lager. Right. And they were made to believe by branding, marketing by the big companies that this was beer. Right. Um, and then when smaller brewers started brewing again, people were going, oh, what's this? And it's like, actually, this is what beer was before the prohibition. Yeah. When they all got wiped out. This is what it was before. So, yeah. it's, it, it's, and the point he was trying to make is that we're not doing anything new. Yeah. This is what it was before, but we're yeah. just reintroducing people to it. So it resonated a little bit with me. Good. Um, yesterday. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I just wanted to make yeah. beer for the local yeah. area, and it, and it's gone from there. Really. Okay, I think it's the same in food. It's like you know, now there seems to be this thing that you know we want to buy uh, organic food, or we want to kind of put certain labels on food, and it kind of like you know, when did it get to the point where we needed to do that? You know, food used to just be food, didn't it? And we just grew it yeah. well, nutritiously <laughs> from the ground, and now we've got so much kind of uh, I don't know, chemical and and process and big farming approach to it that we feel the need to kind of like go, oh, this this food over here is special. And 
you're like, well, actually, it's the rest of the food that's a bit weird. You know? Yeah. I, I, and again, it was there was another point. I can't remember exactly what you were saying, but Garrett Oliver again from uh, Brooklyn Brew. He was talking about the plastic cheese there's mm. in the, mm. the the sliced cheese yeah stick it on your burger yeah and he was just like it's all plastic he's like i can guarantee you it doesn't taste a cheese no and it's i i, I think that people are, are more wary of what they're eating mm. drinking nowadays um i don't think it's because it's been like been forced on the, the organic side of thing it's not been forced on people i just think people have become more wary more healthy mm. i know beer's not necessarily a, a healthy product but i think People care more about what they're buying. Yeah. Um, and if they have to pay a little bit more for a product like from someone like us, um, they know that they're getting a good, consistent, quality product. Yeah. It's not, you know, you could go to any of the supermarkets and buy one of the big branded lagers. Um, I saw in the supermarket the other day, 24 cans of a certain lager for... Eleven pounds. Wow! And really? it's it's God. and you know they're four forty mil cans or five hundred mil cans. I can't remember. And it's just so mass produced. But there there's a market for that, yeah. and there are people that will drink that type of. How, how does beer. it make you feel when you see you know somebody selling beer at that kind of price? Carry on. Does <laughs> it, it? Because it, it, I'm we're not there to make that type of beer. Yeah, we couldn't afford. To sell beer at that price, yeah. um, I, it, there is there's a market like there's a market for the plastic cheese yeah. and the mature, yeah. well made locally cheddar. Yeah. The, the, there's a market for both. You know, there will be people that want to buy the cheaper branded products, mm. and there'll be people that have a feeling that they need to and want to buy the more locally produced Yeah, so, so why do you think there's been that change? Because again, it does feel a shift, not just in beer, but you know, we've seen it in, in kind of gins, we've seen it in uh, in food, you know, what? why do people seem to all of a sudden care more about where stuff's coming from and what they're putting in their bodies? Oh, I don't know, that's a good question. Um, I, again, I think just people are, care a bit more about their bodies now, whereas you go back I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, it would just be will have anything mm. i think nowadays they people care about you know obviously the, there's a awful lot more health conscious which is a big thing yeah um yeah i just think that the people care what i think yeah maybe there's an educational element to it i suppose in the fact we just know more maybe we didn't know what was going in the food i don't know when it happened i don't know when food all of sudden excuse me turned from you know yeah something that was food to be in something that looked like plastic and was kind of wrapped up on a supermarket shelf i think it was pre our time on planet earth and, yeah. and, and then all of a sudden we started going hang on this is a bit weird isn't but it? You know? a big part of it is all down to marketing as well yeah. I think, you know you get the you get the big national multi-branded companies they they've got money that they can just throw at yeah anything yeah. and it, people see it and they're attracted to it and they mm. want to buy it and yeah. it's it's all targeted marketing mm. so again i think that we're now seeing that again in the beer sector and in the food sector where the big breweries are kind of you know they're seeing this word craft and kind of you know like you know hops and and, and ipas and stuff are you noticing that that some of the big players are pretending to be you know little craft players well, there's, a, there's a lot of bigger brewers buying smaller brewers completely or a proportion of them yeah. and i th i think it's down to there that they're worried about it i mean someone like us we're, we're never gonna be competing against a, a heineken or anyone like that yeah um but i think that I you think, say that now i'm gonna look no. forward to interviewing you in 10 years time steve and go i'm not so selling you, shares so you in bought, the company you bought heineken <laughs> and uh they, I, I think they're concerned. Yeah, <laughs> not about me. Oh, okay, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, and that's why they're investing, and they, you know, you're getting, um, they're bringing out more. I, I don't like to use the word craft a lot, but okay. they're bringing out more craft focused beers yeah. um, to try and hit the market, um, and they're selling them at that slightly cheaper price as well. So they're packaged like a, a really cool craft beer, yeah, but they're actually. Heineken. Yeah. They're, they're does, actually, that, does that irritate you? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bit, me. Could... I mean, you know, in my in my industry, you know, the, the hotel originally, you know, we were a boutique hotel, and the, the idea of a boutique hotel was it was small. You know, the word boutique it's it's, it's little, uh, and it was all about you know you know five star kind of quality, but in a small place, just twelve bedrooms. And then all of a sudden, you know, there was a hundred and fifty bedroom hotel that opened in town that was yeah. called a boutique hotel, and I was like, hang on, hang on, that's not you boutique. can't be, yeah. And it's the same. Surely you'd like to think the trouble is, is there's no kind of legal classification for boutique, and I presume it's the same in craft. Is there? You can anybody can use the word i well, suppose you, it, it? you know it, it's not copyrighted or anything it, it's anyone can use it yeah. but you know there's people public are a lot more uh understanding and they understand the the word craft they they understand a good quality product but there are people out there that don't understand it and are mm. led by marketing and yeah. they get into the craft beer bubble and then as soon as they see something with craft written on they're like oh that's definitely going to be craft but yeah. it's not like that and it's like you were saying about the boutique hotel yeah. it just because it's got boutique written on it doesn't mean it's boutique no it's the same with the beer if it's got craft written on it it mm. doesn't necessarily mean it's craft. yeah so I, I get nervous for the sector because i think i think the big players get more and more savvy all the time you know you used to be able to walk into you know a chain pub and actually they used to celebrate the fact they were chain pubs you know it would all be branded the same it would all look the same and then i think they got a little bit nervous hang on are all these little guys kind of opening up and you know places are getting a bit more hip and these kind of you know a bit, bit of a reputation and and then you know they've got deep pockets so they can go out and get some interior designers and I you know I know a few again local pubs that you walk into now and because and I'm in the industry I know you know who owns them who's behind it and it's a big chain but you look at it and they've got the you know the funky filament light bulbs and the brick walls yeah. and there's no sign of they, any brand anywhere and it's probably not until you order the food and go oh it's a little bit of shit yeah. that you kind of realise oh this is a chain okay yeah. um, so so what worries me with that is because they've got such deep budgets is, is you know how do we keep competing and, and do you do you get concerned that that they will just kind of you know like they'll 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 they've realised what's going on in the beer sector and they'll they'll respond and cause a problem or are you fairly chill on that I, i'm fairly chilled because i you're just I, a fairly I, chilled human so. well i try to be <laughs> I, I don't think it would affect us personally no. you know we're never going to be one of the bigger craft breweries you know we're never yeah. going to be a beaver town we're never going to be i'm just trying to think of another one a camden town who yeah. sold the, um the, the whole brewery a few years back we're always going to be small so it, i'm not saying i don't keep an eye on it but yeah. it's not I'm not worried about it. Good. Personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, good, you know, because... Because yeah. it, it, they do what they do, yeah. and it, we're doing what I do. We, we're doing on a smaller scale, and we're doing great. Yeah, you with, are. With, you know, selling to the local community and a bit of wholesale yeah. on our first export order recently. So we're good. never going to be on the same level of that. So as far as I'm concerned, they can keep doing yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, and you'll keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, that's that's part of the reason for launching this podcast is to say, look, you know, I'm 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 nervous about it, but I'm not pessimistic about it. Mm. I actually think, you know, we can we can take them on. You know, yeah. the little guys can take on the battle Absolutely. really, really well. But I think to do that, it's about education. It's getting people to understand yeah. about that thing, about looking a little bit more. Don't just believe the packaging and the words that you see, but kind of try and look in behind the scenes. And it's that humans of hospitality. It's like, who are yeah. the human beings? Fundamentally, I think humans love buying from humans yep. rather than big yep. brands. We love Absolutely. to know the people behind it. You know, hopefully people will get to know you and, and they'll still buy your beer, Steve, yep. even, even when they know you <laughs> they better. Know, they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that's the kind of point. It's, it's, it's that, yeah, it's that educational uh, awareness thing, I think. So, um, so beer specifically, do you remember your first beer? You know, do you, do you, do you remember, like, you know, what it was and what you thought of it? Did you love it or I seem to it? remember my first ever beer was probably when I was about, I didn't have the whole thing because I was underage, <laughs> yeah. but I remember my dad giving me a bottle of Newcastle Brown Ale. Lovely. Start at the top. Oh, that, <laughs> that, that was probably when I was about Newkey Brown. 13, yeah. 14, around that. It's big then, wasn't it? But I, I didn't know it was beer. It's like, yeah. oh, this is great. Um, but then when I, when I become legal age of, yeah. to, to drink, um, I was always drinking lager, yeah. Um because that's what my friends drunk. Okay. Um and then about a couple a couple years so probably when I was about like 2021 20, I found real ale. Right. You know it's like what's that people drinking over there you know the old men in the corner drinking this yeah. thing. Found it and it's just like an explosion of flavors yeah. compared to the big boring lagers. Yeah. And then yeah that's what started me on my 
trail. So how long ago was that? How, uh, yeah. You were 21. What's supposed to be six months ago now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> You're too kind. Yeah. Uh, no, that would have been, um, whoa, hang on. So early 2000s. So okay, you're sort of like 2004, around that sort of area, which so is when they found cask beer. Okay. Yeah. So you liked it, you drank it, you yep. went there as a lovely flavour. And then what made you think about brewing your own? Was was the trigger the business or were you doing it anyway as a hobby? No, I, I, I think it was, I was just, I, I think I basically just wanted to make cheap beer. And it was at the start of the, you were seeing like movement. This probably, I'm trying to think when this would have been, probably like late, late 2000 so probably 2009 2010 uh i can't remember what i saw about home brewing um but then there was all these crafty beers becoming available and it's like mm, what's this all about so i just literally bought a homebrew kit um one of the oh, they're awful i don't have you ever done home brewing no no um it was um basically they're an extract kit so it's right. just a two big pots of malt extract which is like looks like treacle yeah which you just have to warm up a little bit pour it in a bucket pour the water wow. in sprinkle the yeast on okay <laughs> then a week later you put it into bottles with some sugar and and 10 a years week later, later you buy heineken bloody hell well, sounds easy <laughs> i'm gonna that, do this that happens. Yeah. and then um I, you i was trying the beers it's like uh, trying to convince yourself they were great when right. they weren't they were awful okay um and then i quickly progressed on to a a small homebrew kit on the say on the scale, you know what we've got now. So an all grain kit, books, reading books, um, online, looking on on the internet, and just taught myself really in okay. my garage. So you, you mentioned then an all grain kit. That's the difference from the treacle kit. The tre with, we'll it? call it the treacle, so the treacle kit. You've got the treacle kit. So and the step the, up from that is the all grain. Not you, that I want to go too geeky, but uh, fundamentally, yeah, it, the treacle you, thing wasn't selling it. Let's go no, up from there. It's, it's extract malt extract right. with the yeast in, and then you go to all grain, which is where you weigh out the malt, um, the salts to go into the water. You have to hit the right mash temperature. This is me. I'm, I'm not going to go into details yeah, about it, but it's, you know, you have to mash to extract the sugars from the malt before it goes into the kettle to be boiled with the hops. Right. And it's, it was a 50 litre kit. So I was producing 20 litre batches okay. um, just at home. Some were bad, some were good. And then they got better as I progressed. And, and you were doing that at home just to supply your mates or this is just, just for me. yourself, just, just for me. you. Yeah. My, at a time. My... What would that, how long would that last? You'd, you'd get through a weekend. Oh God, it would yeah. last me weeks. Um, yeah, a good few weeks, a good few weeks. My friends, they were always a bit... Um, Polite? No, th though they were just like, no, I don't want to drink it. Like, oh. <laughs> We'd rather go to the pub. They, they just didn't uh, sort of turn their nose up at it because it's okay. something that I'd made in my garage and they, they just weren't keen on it. Yeah. But um, yeah, no. So how do you go from all your mates telling you, this is a bit of shit, Steve, let's just go to the pub to... I'm going to do this for a living. I just don't listen to them. <laughs> no, I, because of the transport company. Okay. So, so you were I, doing it I was, in conjunction yeah, but as not a with, hobby. Yeah, it wasn't with no intention. When I started doing it, there was, I didn't even think about starting a brewery. It was just brewing beer at home. Then obviously the transport company, we, we were going to close that. I knew that was coming. So I was like, right, what do I do? I'd had job offers in the transport industry um to be managers of places and it's just pilot a, um pilot no 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 <laughs> damn I don't, I don't i don't want to be in this industry anymore um so what shall i do um so yeah i just went on a brewing course um up in sunderland i did a couple courses and, up and there. that was the first point where you thought ah oh, maybe maybe i could do this well that, commercially. The, the the first course i went on up there was a startup right in brewing um so it was like a four-day course overview um and it was if well, I was going to come away from that and know whether I wanted to do it or not. Yeah. Um, and then I'm up there, I met the guy who supplied my brew kit right here now. Um, and yeah, uh, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And on the course you decided, right, I'm yeah. going to give this a bash. Yeah. Um, and I, I was fortunate enough. I had a guy who has been with me from day one. He's at least like a bit of a mentor to yeah. me, um, a friend of my wife. And um, he, he, we were just putting numbers together at the start. We didn't know what we could sell beer for. We didn't yeah. know how much we could sell. Um, and we just run all down a bit of paper. And he said, if, if this doesn't add up, I'm going to tell you not to be so stupid and walk away from it. Okay. And the numbers that we worked out worked. And yeah. Literally then, back of an envelope kind of. It was literally on the back of an envelope, just best, rough numbers. Best business plans st always start that way. And yeah, yeah, and he's still with me now. Yeah. Um, he helps me out all the time. Um, and then, yeah, we just found a unit in Wimborne. I wanted it to be in Wimborne. Um, mm. Found the unit next door, um, which we've still got now. And the brew kit was installed in January 
2015 and and we went cool and, we and went. you that first batch of beer you made how was it yeah it, it, i mean they, they were, were i did three prototypes i think it was three prototypes they've got the first ever bowl behind you actually that i bottled on the shelf up there oh, wow. uh, so that's a bit of a memento um, we're not also gonna, got we're my not old home, that. <laughs> no i wouldn't drink it and then we've got all my old home homebrew books up there as well actually so they're, they're still here they're still here and you never stop learning but um yeah, yeah the um the first few beers yeah they went fine because that would have been a key time and you make a few beers and go they're actually a bit shit. That would have cool, been that would have been tricky, wouldn't it? Well, uh, you, you you don't know what to expect. No, you know, but they were they were right. You didn't have to pour them away. Nope, nope. They all sold. Um, and I, I I always thought to myself with the kit. I mean, it was about six months in. I seem to remember walking into the brewery one day, looking at these massive, big one thousand liter fermenters and the brew kit, and thinking to myself, why did I ever not second guess and doubt myself about this? Yeah. It's literally. It must have been right for me to do it. The kit turned up. And I brewed. Wow. And it was amazing. It was just like second nature. That presumably is not always the case. Have you made any crap beer? We've, we've, well, that's <laughs> not that, that you've sold. That, that's up, that's up to the public's perception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. Uh, but I mean, if you had any batches, you know, does it go wrong sometimes? Yeah, or? I think, I mean, we're approaching our 300th brew. I think we're on about brew 282 today. Yeah. Um, so we're approaching our 300th brew. But I think in the, over the almost four years, we've chucked away. Definitely two beers, okay. possibly three. Um, and that was, I can't remember what they were down to. There was a yeast yeast problem with one of them. Right. It, it, it was, when I say it's nothing to do with what we did, the, the brew itself was fine. It was just right. factors afterwards. Um, and how do you know? Is that That's a taste thing. You, yeah, you I mean, there was one have batch. have a pint. There was one batch and it just smelled of rotten eggs. Right. And what that was... I still don't know. We didn't get it tested. We just chucked it down the drain. Um, and then, yeah, and so we haven't had, we haven't had to chuck many away. Amazing. Luckily. So how do you, uh, and how do you know, you know, is, is it literally a, a case of tasting each batch of beer yourself or is there some 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 chemistry behind it? What what decides your palate or your uh, instruments? As if it's the beer's okay or yeah, not. Yeah, and, and if you're happy with it, because, you know, I know you're a big fan of consistency and you've said before about, you know, if you're going to be known for a certain beer, you want to make sure that everybody, every time, somebody has that beer you know it's always well, it's, a, it's a thing whether you have i know we're going to the multinational brand now but if you have a a pint of um I'm trying to think of a beer now uh ringwood best yeah it's probably changed a little bit over the years since marston bought them but people know what they're going to get yeah. if you have a pint of Doombar, not that i drink these beers but of course not. Yeah. <laughs> You, I only you, ever drink your beers. Yeah. <laughs> Do you only so ever kind, eat in my restaurant? So yes, yeah, so that's true. You haven't eaten anything this morning, have you? I haven't I, seen I you for a few days. You must be starving. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah people who are drinking that, they want to know what they're going to be getting. And I suppose it's the same if you have a Big Mac from yeah. McDonald's. People go there because they know, yes, it's a bit cheaper, but they know what they're going to be getting. It's the consistency. So bringing it back down onto our scale, one thing that we've uh, we've been told a lot is that our beer is consistent, and that's the whole point. I mean, yeah. you you don't want to have a pint of our IPA um, last week, and it's like, oh yeah, it's amazing. And then you have another pint of it this week, and it tastes completely different. Because mm. what's the point of that? The whole point of having a core range of beers is that the the, the buyer, the the publican, knows that it's going to sell. They know what that beer is going to be and they know that it's going to sell. So it is all about consistency. So, so how confident can you be? As long as you follow the same recipe, mm. in essence, and the same process, you can be pretty confident it will come out the same or are there nuances where each one, you, you know, you kind of need to give it a whiff, you know, tweak you, it a bit? You always have to check. I mean, people are shocked when I say that I don't drink our beer. Yeah. You know, I, I don't actively take our beer home and drink it. Yes, I sample it, but I don't drink it that's changed from the early days <laughs> that's the whole point that you started this business so you, oh, yeah. you could drink your beer that's what happens what in happens? when you become a business why uh, is that because I think that if I drank it all the time say Corbo IPA that if something changed I wouldn't be able to pick it up Okay, that's so that's why point. I don't drink it I mean, yes, I will have a pint of it every now yeah, and then, yeah. but if I drank it all the time... <laughs> yeah. You haven't replaced it water with it or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there are there's things that change in brewing that are out of your control. You know, a uh, new crop of hops, even though it's labelled as the same hop year to year, they there will be slight differences. Yeah. It's not going to... 
probably to the the um, public, they won't notice a change, but there will be slight changes. The alpha acids changed, you know, because it might have been a good crop year or a bad crop year. Malt changes, um, you get different uh, nitrogen levels in the malt. Um, the water, we use the mains water here and we treat the water. Um, we always, you know, we're always checking the pH of the water. It changes. Yeah. Um, so there's so many different factors in so, so this is why I love this industry, right? It's because I don't think anybody can can get that level of of sort of geek knowledge on all of the different nuances in any product. You know, same quite with, sad, don't no, I? no, I think it's brilliant. I genuinely, genuinely love it. And it's the same. You know, I can sit down with our with our coffee supplier. You know, I I, I tell the story of uh, of the egg guy quite a lot. I remember this guy, um, you know, coming in, Dave, and uh, and he came into my business and he said, Mark, he said, uh, you know, you, you should buy my eggs. He said, but the key thing you need to know is that you poach the eggs in spring. Uh, and in autumn, I said, and then in the uh, in the summer or in winter, fry them or scramble them. And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Your happy hens lay the best eggs." So he's like, "If you're if you're he said hens Amazing. don't hens don't, yeah hens don't like this. You, you, you're glad we're doing this. Yeah, right? it does. This is a high point of your day. Happy hens lay the best eggs. Uh, hens don't like to be too hot and they don't like to be too cold. So they lay the best eggs in autumn and in spring when they're at the perfect temperature. And you know the, the best eggs for poaching are, are are the quality eggs. And from that moment, I was like, "Wow!" Any Anybody who knows that much never, about his hens and how happy they are yeah. and the impact it has on the eggs. And, and you find that, you know, you're that with beer, other guys with, with coffee, all these incredible people. And this is why I want to kind of celebrate this industry and why I want to get people to kind of, you know, buy from the little guy because yeah. these people genuinely, passionately love, you know, what they do and, and have this incredible knowledge. So we don't need to because the average, you know, Joe Bloss public, there's no way you can be a specialist in every single area no. of everything you do. Um, and the same with the farmers and the amount of love they put into whether it's rearing their animals or rearing the crops. So no, I think it's bloody brilliant i know when i walked in this morning place smells amazing i don't think it was you no um, definitely not me what what was that and 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 do you still appreciate that do you walk in every day and you know kind of go ah you know can you just recognize what hops you're using or what's going on in the brewery because of how it smells or? yeah I, I mean like when you mentioned it when you walked in mm. how it smelled amazing and it i've got a thing i obviously we most of our beers are the pale hoppier beers but um, today we're brewing our coffee oat stout, and it, it, there's just something about the smell of the darker malts. Yeah. You get the coffee, you get the chocolate. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's just it's, an amazing it, smell. It does smell incredible. It's going to be torture for anybody listening, isn't oh. it? But it's quite cold outside. It's a storm kind of come over. It's like when you walk into the pub and there's a log burner yeah. on, and you can smell the beer it, and absolutely. stuff. You just walk in and straight away, it's kind of I don't know. It, it makes you know. Yeah, it makes you feel. It amazing. is. There, there's something. Like I said, it, you know, most of our beers are pale, but when you do a dark beer like that, there is just something special about a dark beer and the smell that it gives off again, like the coffee and the chocolates and the maltiness. That it, it's great, absolutely great. I mean, I'm not a um, dark. The, the, there's a lot of people that drink dark beers in the winter, paler beers, hoppier beers in the mm. summer. I I'll drink dark beers in the summer and I'll drink pale beers in the winter. I'm not. I'm not fussed, but there is something like you mentioned about coming in on a cold, stormy day mm. and smelling that coffee and the chocolate from the malt. It's amazing, mm, absolutely nice amazing. Beer. So, to finish off your little your little geeky beer, is do you have a favourite bit of the beer making process? Is there a bit in the whole journey where you go, yes, you know, this is this is a good day today. We're doing this. I is it is it a till? No, it's no, not, no, I, no, I know it's not. No, I'm no, no, it's I not. It's not. I, I think for me, when we're always striving to make the best beer possible that we can so whether it be a new beer or whether it be one of our core beers we we always tinker little bits not, you won't notice it but we're always just trying to make it that little bit better and you never stop we never never stop with it and i think the biggest satisfaction for me is when you try one of your beers and it, it's that moment where it's just like damn that's good Right. And it, it's just, it's that moment that, you know, you've you've taken a, a, eight hours to brew it and it's taken five to seven days to ferment and then you've dry hopped it and you've chilled it down. And then you take it out the fermenter and it's just that moment of going, yeah, yeah, yeah we've that got to, it, that, that's, that's the point where I'm at, where it's just everything is good then. That's good. Yeah. And does it still excite you? Are you nervous at that point? Because presumably you, you could try it and go, oh, you know, it's okay. We didn't nail it. Or you, do you feel excited? It's kind of like, how's this going to be? Every time I go to try one of the beers out of the front, I'm always excited by it. Really? I'd never, I'd, I hope I never lose that. Yeah. Um, 
But it, obviously there's always a tinge of nervousness because, I mean, we've done, I wouldn't say weird and wacky, but we've done different beers this year. Um, we've done a couple of collaborations with um, Elusive from up near Reading. Uh, we did the Ice Cream Pale series. Okay. So there was lactose, fruit. Wow. Um, and it would absolutely, I mean, it could have gone completely wrong. And you don't know for 10 days? Well, no. Um, you know, you, 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 you brew the base beer, um, then you add the fruit and the lactose goes into the kettle as well. Um, then we add vanilla at packaging. And it absolutely, I don't blow our own trumpet, but it absolutely was awesome. The first, the first batch, the raspberry ripple. Yeah. yeah, it was, and it got such a lot of love as well. I mean, it was, I mean, I don't actually look at the online forums for craft beer that often, but we were all over there it was all about this beer. It was like, right. well, sort of a bit of a liftoff for us. Nice. Um, and then recently we, we were part of, again, it was something to do with Elusive again, it was Collabageddon. We had um, 10 breweries around the UK uh, brew a beer with each other, um, home and away. And then the 20, no, sorry, the 10 beers were put on at 20 bars around the UK all right. on the same night. So we had Bexar County from Peterborough down here and we brewed a white stout. So we had loads of uh, coffee beans, uh, cacao nibs, uh, tonka beans in there, and it could have gone completely wrong. To be honest with you, at the start, we overdid it a little bit with the tonka beans. Um, so it was easily left... done with a tonka bean. Oh, <laughs> it, it was it was quite powerful. It, okay. it was very powerful, but then it mellowed out. We just left it. So like, do you know what? Let's just give this one time. Right. Give it time, and it, bear in mind that the beer had to be out because it was going to this event. Yeah, we didn't yeah, have time yeah. to rebrew it. Okay, so it's just like no, let's just leave it. And yeah, it it turned out absolutely awesome, nice. absolutely awesome. So yeah, there's always a, a a tinge of nervousness because when you're doing, I mean, it's a bit different when you're doing the beers that we're always brewing because yeah. we know what it's going to be pretty much. Um, but when you're doing a new beer like that, it's a bit like. Yeah. That's, gonna, that's where the buzz comes from I think, yeah, isn't it yeah. yeah a bit of nervousness so we were chatting earlier about you know just how busy you are which mm. is amazing you know it's a great story you've you've already had to move into bigger premises you're talking again about you know what you know how you expand further um do you ever feel you know overwhelmed by it or lose your focus or kind of you know panic or is it being just a pretty you know even trajectory like I said earlier, it's it's been organic growth, yeah. Um, and things have just happened that it's, they, they've almost sort of fell into our lap right. a little bit. Um, but then I guess that's down to again, I, like I said, I don't blow our own trumpet, but I guess that's down to the consistency and quality of our beer that people keep coming on to us for beer to sell it. Um, yeah, I just. You seem pretty calm. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, I, it doesn't, you know, does it, does it stress you out? Do you have a lot of sleepless nights? No, no, no. Um, I mean, I'm fortunate to have a great guy with me, Mark, yeah. um, who, you know, he takes a lot of the pressure off me. Um, and it's great having someone by my side who, you know, when I do have those moments where I take a wobble, yeah. he just slaps me and <laughs> tells me to shut up and go back in the office. So, yeah. and yeah, and it, it just works fine. And, you know, our tap room here, every friday i i'm shocked every week people keep coming down you know i'm so grateful that people do keep coming down here but it's like yeah it's going to be quieter this week and then people just still keep turning up again it must be down to the quality and it's your personality well Steve, and and the beer the beer <laughs> yeah it's not all about me yeah. no, um, it, is, it is good so I mean, it has got an awesome reputation that yeah. you know and people who come down on a friday and you're, you know you're stuck out of the way it's not like you're on a high street is it no. so people are deliberately no. making the effort to come over absolutely i mean i i left last friday i left about seven o'clock i had to go um and I was amazed because normally I'm in here in, in, in behind the bar in the tap room. And I, because I left early, I went outside and never normally see it. Cars everywhere. Wow. It was just, and it gives you a little nice yeah, warm be, feeling yeah, inside exciting. that it's something yeah. that I've created yeah. and it's, it's not become a monster far from it, but it's, uh, it is what it is it's now great. and it's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's great. I'm the same with the, you know, restaurant on the beach and you think, well, look, you know, any idiot can fill a restaurant on the beach on a nice sunny day in August, mm. but in February on a Tuesday night when it's lashing it down with rain and windy outside 
and the wood burner might be on and maybe there's a guy strumming a guitar in the corner and you look around the restaurant and there's 40 or 50 people in there. That's more of a buzz than when there's three or 400 people in there in the summer because you know those people, you can't even see the sea. You know, they've got wet and cold walking down there. It's but almost, they're there because of the ambience. Because you don't you, take it for granted. Never, but it's, it's, never. In it's summertime, so it's... It's there. It's easy, yeah, almost. Yeah, but yeah, it's a good. It's a good buzz. It's exciting. So, um, you know, there might be people listening who uh, who also loved craft beer or the hospitality industry in general. Do you ever kind of hear any really bad advice for people in the industry where you kind of go like, "Don't listen to that. That's nonsense." Or just in life in general, anything kind of that you that you've heard where you go, "Look, I've been doing this now. Ignore that." Well, I mean, I'm. I'm I don't know it all as like i said earlier you never ever stop learning and there's people the the talks i was at yesterday you know they've been brewing you had john keeling who was the ex head brewer from fuller's he was there for 30 odd years i think as head brewer and he made the point yesterday you never stop learning in in this you because things change trends change you know people's tastes change so you you don't try and follow the trends but you know the the beer world has changed since i started really with you know the flavors and the hops there's always new malts coming available there's always new hops coming available there's always new yeast becoming available so like i said to you earlier if you if you stand still you're going backwards mm. so you can't you can't stand still you, you've always got to try and evolve um but then when you're saying about advice you know i'll give advice to people people who are cone brewers come in here and i'll give them advice I'm not saying it's the right advice. It's yeah. what I do and it's what mm. I think is the right thing to do. But then that next man might be like, well, oh, that's not the right thing to do. And I think that's what's quite cool about brewing is that no one's actually right. Yeah, There, there will be people out there who think they are. Yeah. Um, and that is the way you do it. And there is no other way of doing it. But I, obviously there are ways of brewing beer that that is the way you do it. And the, there is no changing that. But practices and you know, how you sparge, you know, how you wash the water, the, the um, liquor out um, for the for the boil, how you boil, where you put the hops in. No one's wrong. No one's right. Everyone's got their own way of doing it. But when they, like, when you look on the forums um, and you see on the brewers forums and some, some of the things that people are putting on there and asking questions about, sometimes you look at it and me and Mark will talk about it and we'll be, if they're asking those type of questions, what are they doing brewing beer? Right. Because it's quite a simple, and I'm not going to say what they were, but yeah, sometimes you see questions, what they're, and they're like, how do I do this? And it's like, you're putting this on a on a brewing forum yeah. for brewers, right. and you're making yourself look an idiot. Yeah. And it's like, you, like, again, no one's wrong, no one's right, but there's yeah. some questions that are just simple. Yeah. I think it's an exciting time to be alive in that way, and the fact that you know, the abundance of information that's out there, it just blows my mind. Mm. You know, education used to be about who you knew and money and access. Yeah. And now, you know, globally, really, and I, we're very privileged to obviously, you know, live in a, in a, in a Western place. But yeah, I don't remember, was it something like, you know, 2 billion people connected by smartphone already and it'll be 5 billion in the next kind of three Crazy. years. All of that access to information, there's no excuse now, is there? Like you say, you know, no. like go out, at least work out the basics. The information's there. Yeah. Uh, do some reading and find it. But an exciting time to open a business because, yeah, you can you can access. Yeah, with what, whatever business you may be in, hospitality, brewing, whatever, you know, there is an encyclopedia of information on the internet now. Yeah. And, you know, it might not always be the right information, but there is information everywhere. Mm. And you, you just got to find it. Mm. So as you get busier and busier and uh, and your beer starts to sell out in advance, have you noticed just again, you know, as, as, as a business person, as well as a brewer, have you had to get better at saying no to stuff or? Was in sales. Or anything really, just in, you know, do you get asked for a lot of your time? I mean, you are exceptionally busy, but you come I, across as pretty chilled. Well, how, how is that? Are you, are you good be. at saying no to stuff or do you just, do you just keep saying yes, 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 and then find a way? Not I, just sales related, just life. Well, I hate sales. I hate I hate people phoning me with sales. Electricity one's one of the worst <laughs> ones. But daily. I I I've never been a keen salesperson, but right. I had to. You know, when you start a brewery, you've got to be a salesperson. Um we employ someone now to do that. Um so I don't have to do that now, luckily. Um but I'm a bit of a nightmare for time management. Definitely. Okay. And, I, and my my wife, she says to me, She's like, We you just sort it out and you know, your time management. Why are you doing that? when you could be doing that that's more important so i now i sort of take 
if I've got piles of paperwork all over my desk, like it is a bit now, um, and I'll be like, right, I've got to do that job. And then I'll be sat there starting it. And it's like, well, actually, that doesn't need to be done. And, you know, that actually needs to be done. So I'll get on and do the other thing. So I am learning to time manage a lot better. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm quite a chilled out guy. I yeah. don't. I don't stress out really. Um, like I said, if I do have a wobble, Mark just slaps me. And then yeah. Fundamentally, I suppose you're making beer rather than working in A and E, aren't you? So uh... yeah. Um, but turning people down, I mean, we—it's not being tactical at all with the sales. It's—it's it's the fact that you know we've got orders in place for January already, um, and it's just we—we we know our process of brewing. We know how long beer A will take, beer B will take. So it's like. People come like, oh, can we have some beer? So, well, we're not going to have it for another couple of weeks, but, you know, we'll have beer A, B, and C ready to go that week. So do you want to pre-order? So we are now at the point of pre-orders yeah, um, for amazing. our beers, which is, again, great. Yeah, good problem to have. So what's next then? What's, uh, what's the domination. plan? domination. Yeah, <laughs> apart from the idea that we came up with buying Heineken. So I'm obviously cut in on that now. Uh, uh, but yeah, 5%, what's, uh, 5%, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fine. As long as you don't make me drink it. Just kidding. Uh, my marketing guy will have a heart attack. I'm not allowed to mention brands. Um, but yeah, you know, do you think you'll carry on expanding? Are you happy with the level you're at now? Could, would you ever move out of Wimborne? To another bridge town, no. Salisbury. <laughs> it's too far. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if they've got a bridge. Let's not start there. Let's not go down that route. There's, there's a England. world of information on yeah. the internet. Where could you go? You need 15 I, arches because you're going to uh, get busier. No, I, I wouldn't ever... I mean, I, I'm very happy at the point I am now. Um, but again, it's the point this time last year when we knew we were moving into the unit we're in now next door. Um, I was like, well, that's going to be it. You know, the yeah. extra two fermenters. Um, and then three months ago, we got a double fermenter for us, so a 2,000 litre fermenter. So, right, okay, okay. And then, you know, we bought a canning line at the start of the year to move all of our beers into cans. And the, we tripled the amount of small pack that we've done last year to this year. So we're, we're going to be touching 50,000 cans filled this year, all here on site. So where do we go from here? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I'm happy with where we are at the moment, but could we go a bit more? Yes. Um, one thing I would never ever do is crowdfund. For, yeah. I'm not a fan of the crowdfunding platform. Why? I just, I, it doesn't sit right with me. People taking money from people. Um, with then it might not work. I mean, the, 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 there's brews out there with crowdfunding that aren't going to go wrong the, the the money's going to be safe for the investor but i i just don't if i'm going to do it i want to do it with what the the company the brewery is making okay so to reinvest you yeah. know i i don't hardly take any money from the company you know all of the money that comes in goes back into reinvesting you know we bought the canning line we bought the extra fermenters we're nice. in the bigger unit so yeah. You know what? You know, that makes you sound like a great investment. There'll be more people wanting to invest than in you because you don't want it because it's clearly, you know... You, you can get... find our telephone number on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Give me yeah, a call. Yeah. Ring it going, yeah. <laughs> Steve, I've got half a million quid and I'd love to buy you a bigger brewery. Oh, but uh, I, 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 hey, that's not crowdfunding. That's just one guy, right? So that's fine. That's yeah. not a crowd, is it? When does it, <laughs> when does it become a crowd? Over five? Okay, okay. great. So if there's less than five people with some cash. Yeah. You, the next thing you'd need, though, is presumably people. I mean, you, you need more... Sp- Base and, and I mean, we'd, kit, but we'd be all right here. Space, I mean, we could fit more fermenters in here, no problem at all. Um, but then it does get up to more staff, yeah, um, which means more wages. Um, and then it, it where does it go from there? Yeah, well, uh, don't, don't slow down too much because you, you know, your beer is genuinely awesome, so people should drink you. it, <laughs> and uh, and therefore, yeah, making more is a good thing. We don't want to not be able to get hold of it, Steve. So, I know, uh, but I, know. I think it's always the challenge, isn't it? And, and, and yeah, and, and getting too big. And that's why, again, you know, this sector is is exciting because you can come into it really small scale. Like, what did you need money to set up wise when you bought your first amount, your first kit? What was the investment? Um, I mean, the, from when I was starting out doing the training, buying the books and everything, I was keeping the receipts and yeah. keeping track of everything. You know, if I was driving to go and do a brew day with a brewery to help them out, I'd be doing mileage. And so it's all gone into a pot, right. um, a director's loan. So the physical cost for starting the, the, I mean, the brew kit was about 
because we had three fermenters at the start. I think to have, to have the, the brew kit and the fermenters and have it installed, I think it was in around £60,000 mark. Okay, so it's a, it's, a, it's a decent chunk of investment, yeah. but it's not a bonkers amount, but is the, it? The, you know, you know you, when, I was looking, I mean, when I was looking for equipment, I didn't know what I was looking. You know, I wanted a brew kit, yeah. and there was a few options out there, some that are cheap, some that are medium, and w- the kit that I've probably got is medium to high, yeah. but... I spent the money and it's built to last. Yeah. It's not going to go wrong. And there's some kits out there that are shocking and people buy them. They're a third of what I would have paid for the same size kit, but they're a year, two years down the line, they're it's done. Rubbish. They're finished. Yeah. So, you know, we've been going with the original, we've got the original brew kit. We've got the original three fermenters still, which are nearly four years old and they're still going as strong as they were day one. Okay. And is it, can you finance that sort of kit or you, you just plowing your money back in or can you actually kind of, you know, what, get it? To, to get, to yeah, they're, grow they're, again. They're big assets basically. So can you, can you put them on higher purchase and sort of pay yeah. them off over a couple of years? Yeah, well, like the, the, the new um, double fermenter, that's financed. Right. So we've got that, that's the first ever finance. Over um, how long? Three years. Three years. Um, which I mean, it's going to earn its money back in, yeah. in no time. Um, but I, again, I was saying before, like, well, I was given a very good business grounding by my dad he didn't like to finance things he was very much old school okay if we haven't got the money we're not buying it yeah and it's like so that's there but when i mean we've just bought a new van um which was paid for outright with the with the company's money um and about two weeks after i was like oh i wish i financed it really just it's just like the cash flow thing but (laughs) then the cash flow started coming back so it's fine yeah um but it's that eternal challenge isn't it you know loss is a cancer cash flow is a heart attack you just got to keep cash in the business basically just keep it flowing keep it flowing so i think if we were to do anything else i mean we're looking at getting a bigger canning line um you know and that would be in excess of fifty thousand pounds um so I would probably finance yeah. uh, that. From a, from a small group, not a crowd. No, I don't know how we do it. Um, I'm just but, kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, cool. we'll, we'll see. So uh, hopefully, um, you know, we've inspired a few more people to drink your beer. Not that that's our objective today. It's no. just good to catch up yeah. and have a chat. But where can people find out more about you? You're, you're online on the normal Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Where, yeah. where do people find you? Yeah, we're on um, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we have got a holding page of a website at the moment. The website, the new website is being built at the moment. How, how long has that holding page been there, Steve? Uh, six months. Is seven it? months. <laughs> like that. so it's, 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 I go on there every now and again. But just we, to, to get the some reason details. it's been held up is that hopefully we're going to be getting a bit of a grant from the Dorset Growth Hub Great. to help us with the building of that. So it's Amazing. been held up a little bit. Um, so on all of those channels, they just need to type in what? Eight R? Sometimes eight it's, it's numerical eight and sometimes it's... Uh, yeah, I, off the top of my head, I think pretty we'll, much we'll on put the... It, I'll, I'll put it in the notes. I, I think it's eight, the digit eight arch brewing on most platforms. But if you type in anyway, yeah, you'll, you'll find, find us it. on there. Um, okay. Yeah, we're on all the social media platforms and we're, we're open. You know, if people want to message us on Facebook or any of the other platforms and, you know, we okay. always reply. Great. And if they've got any brewing questions, you'll, I'll, um, you'll I'll, tell I'll, them to get on the forum and don't say anything stupid. I'll, I'll tell them a little lie. <laughs> Amazing. Well, look, thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy you are, so uh, it's appreciated. Thank you very and, much for coming uh, down. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll do this again in uh, in a year's time and, and see where you're at. When we're in the bigger unit. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah, you've got 18 staff. <laughs> All right, nice one. Thanks, Steve. Cheers, Appreciate thank it. you. Okay, there you have it. What a top gent Steve is. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Uh, We will now be releasing new episodes of the Humans of Hospitality podcast every single week. So uh, please go to your, I don't know, iTunes or podcast provider of choice. Click on subscribe and hopefully we will automatically appear in your feed. And as I said at the start, any feedback I do want to know. Uh, This is early days. I've been thinking about this project for probably about a year. Uh, Very excited to finally get on with it. I hope you will share the journey with me, but I would love your feedback. What works well for you? What works less well? What kind of episodes do you want? What length would you want? Any kind of subjects? People you'd like me to uh, interview, please get in touch uh, at Mark Cribb via Twitter and Instagram or go to humansofhospitality.co.uk website and uh, find the links and more information on there. Okay, thank you so much. Hopefully I will be in your ear pieces or on your stereos in a week's time. Thank you.